Hey marketers, if you want to get the latest news, trends, and insights in marketing, advertising, and tech, check out the Adweek Podcast Network. Learn from leading voices across media and marketing with original shows like Yeah, That's Probably an Ad, Marketing Vanguard, and Tech Magic with Kathy Hackle. Start listening now by searching Adweek wherever you listen to podcasts. My dad works in B2B marketing. He came by my school for career day and said he was a big ROAS man. Then he told everyone how much he loved calculating his return on ad spend. My friends still laugh at me to this day. Not everyone gets B2B, but with LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people who do. Get $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash generate to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash generate. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. This episode is brought to you by Accenture Interactive. Greater experiences start with reimagined consumer experiences. Visit AccentureInteractive.com to see how we're combining creativity, strategy, and technology to make businesses healthier and consumers happier. That's AccentureInteractive.com. You're listening to, yeah, that's probably an ad. You can't skip this ad because it's the Adweek Podcast where we talk about marketing, media, advertising, technology, pop culture, because in the end, everything's an ad. I'm David Greiner. I'm an ad editor with Adweek.com, and with me as he is each week is Tim Nutt, our creative editor. Tim, welcome back. Thanks. I'm really enjoying your uh, hacks to the uh, intro. <laughs> yes. And on that note, today we're going to be talking about ad hacks, fun, crazy things you can do with pre-roll and with banner ads, mobile ads, and ways that people are having fun with what some others consider limitations of advertising to help us in that conversation. We've got Lindsay Rittenhouse, staff writer at Adweek, who covers the agency Beat. Lindsay, welcome back. Hey, Thanks. And we've also got back Lauren Johnson, a senior editor on the Tech Beat, frequent guest on the podcast. Always great to have you, Lauren. Thanks for having me. All right. Well, it's uh, it's going to be a fun episode. Like I said, we're going to be talking about ad hacks and ways that people have had fun with some of this stuff. But first, we wanted to cover some news. All right. Let's start with truly the most important news of the week. Uh, and I don't just mean in advertising. I mean across the board. This, of course, is the dust-up around Lady Doritos. <laughs> this was the the uh, Tempest in a Teapot that was a uh, the PepsiCo CEO mentioning on the Freakonomics podcast that they had been listening to uh, you know feedback on how certain people, and she specifically says women, uh, did not like certain aspects of Doritos, uh, which, of course, are made by PepsiCo. Uh, they, I think she specifically said they don't like to crunch too loudly in public. And they don't like to, they being women, pour the little broken pieces and the flavor into their mouth. Uh, I think she also commented on them not liking licking their fingers, uh, which I remember there was like a whole ad, like a whole user-generated ad about a hole that you stick your Dorito finger into and it cleans it. Do you remember this, Nud? <laughs> I do remember that. That oh, was God. that was uh, it was part of the Crash the Super Bowl thing, and, and it got the most votes I think of of any of them. But I think they Doritos was like we can't run that, so I think there was some speculation that they uh, that they buried it in terms of the vote count. Yeah, yeah, because it was like you stick your finger in a hole and it comes out clean, <laughs> and then they show the other side of the wall and it's just some dude sucking. <laughs> Yeah, and it got like forty million views or something, and Doritos was like, "Nah, it wasn't that popular." <laughs> uh, so, um, 
she uh, she basically made these comments on the podcast, and then a lot of news outlets, including us, kind of picked it up that she was very specifically, let's see, I've got a quote here, says um, that they were asking themselves, are there snacks for women that can be designed and packaged differently? Uh, yes, we are looking at it, and we are getting ready to launch a bunch of them soon. Uh, so people took you know, took her at her word uh, that they were developing these lady-friendly snacks. And, of course, this did not go over tremendously well, this idea that women somehow don't like crunching on things or that there is some, I don't know, it just painted this very dainty picture of women, I guess. Uh, Lindsay, how would you describe kind of why people got so, you know, specifically angry or at least made fun of this relentlessly? What was it about this depiction of women that really got people? Um, Well, I think it's just putting women into a single category is kind of what was their mistake. Um, I personally eat Doritos and crunch loudly and have no problem with it. And I don't (laughs) (laughs) think uh, any brand should single out a demographic in that way, obviously. Lauren, what was your take on all this? I mean, people had a lot of fun with this on Twitter. Some people were earnestly angry. A lot of people were just kind of mocking it relentlessly. I mean, this brought to mind the the Bic for her, like pens, which are basically just pink pens. You know, the marketing industry does not have a proud history of gendered products always going over so well. Uh, what, what was your take on this whole kind of, uh, you know, outrage spiral around uh, around the Lady Doritos? I don't understand Pepsi's reaction after the after people started mocking it because maybe the, the podcast was edited incorrectly to bring up her comments or I I just don't understand how you go from saying oh yeah we're definitely developing these new Dorito products to then having a statement saying no we're not doing that like where where does that happen um, it just seems like the reaction to it was a little off. And I, I don't quite understand if they actually are uh, doing this or if they're not doing it. Yeah, so so they've said their response to us and probably to other publications was the, a, a bit snarky and kind of defensive. They just said it was inaccurate, uh, that they don't have any kind of lady-oriented Doritos products in development. And then they had this kind of snarky line where they said, we already have Doritos for women. They're called Doritos. <laughs> All right. You know, what's weird about this is usually when you have a gendered product, the the biggest problem is when you lean into gender stereotypes with the product. So that was the problem, you know, with Bic for her. Not not to mention that it's ridiculous to have a pen for a a woman versus a pen for a man, as absurd as that was. I think the the fact that they were pink was the biggest issue. And then uh, you guys remember uh, Cosmo magazine partnered with Sayat, the the European automaker on on a car for women. Also only came in like pink or purple and, you know, it it said it was fun to drive, you know, it was all this like, you know, stereotypes on that. And like this, I mean, the Doritos thing is absurd too. I mean, it's almost trying to reinforce that women prefer to be meek and not heard from, you know, it's just very bizarre. I think my favorite protest to this is that 200 people have RSVP'd for a Cincinnati Facebook event called Women Unite to Eat Men's Doritos on First Floor of Library. <laughs> <laughs> and that it has 1,900 people interested, which, uh, you know, in attending. Uh, I mean, my wife, like, showed me that. Uh, you know, it's just that, that like, popped up so so early in this. In this <laughs> it's just so hilarious, this idea of crunching Doritos is some is somehow a protest. And if anything, the brand has to be, 
you know, taking some co- comfort in the fact that people are protesting by saying, like, oh, oh, really, Doritos? Let me show you how many Doritos I can eat loudly. <laughs> I mean, to me, the larger issue is like, so it probably wasn't Indra's idea, but, you know, but, but when someone at the top is endorsing this thing, it makes you wonder about the company culture as a whole. And, you know, this this is a company that, that did the, the, you know, the Pepsi Kendall Jenner spot last year. So... You know, I would think that something's maybe a little wrong inside PepsiCo at the moment. If these ideas are are not getting vetted and they're they're making their way into the into the public discourse. I mean, thankfully they didn't actually make these Doritos, but the fact that they were thinking about making them is is weird enough. Just kind of speaks to. I remember when that Kendall Jenner um, ad obviously got scrutinized and then was pulled, and that whole fiasco. One of the um, reactions to it was, "You can't think about." things in a sil- in this like siloed bubbled world if you're a big brand and one would hope that Pepsi has learned from that experience and is moving forward but I'm not sure the Doritos example really uh, proves that they have. Yeah it makes you wonder I mean their Super Bowl ad was made in-house also this year and it was underwhelming. I wonder if they're just not getting the perspective they need. Yeah and I've, I've noticed that you know, I don't know as a culture if we're moving away from gendered products or if it just feels like it. But like, you know, my, my wife and I both use the same shaving cream now. Like, uh, you know, it's it just because it's a non-gendered uh, product. Like it doesn't really convey itself one way or the other. And, you know, we're both using razors on skin. Like, I, I don't know. It's just things like that where I'm starting to notice anecdotally uh, around me. Um, but, I, I mean, do you guys feel, you know, Lindsay and Lauren, do you... I, I mean, is it accurate to say that there there are still products that are, you know, that are rightly gendered, but I don't know. Is it a trend? Are they going away? Mm, I use men's razors because they're better and women need a close shave, too. I just <laughs> I, I don't understand these gendered products um, unless, you know, it's it's like tampons, but that's about it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because, I mean, in the end, like, Especially, I think, the debate around gender identity or, you know, not so much debate is just like the rise of discussion around gender identity has really highlighted that it, it, it has less to do with your sex or, you know, again, to your point, it's like unless you're talking tampons or, or, or something very specific, a lot of these are just kind of what, what you feel like using as part of your identity. Well, it's, you know, it's interesting because I think brands do spend a ton of money uh, doing research into, you know, how do men, women differently see their whatever your product is, a movie, a food, you know, whatever it is. And and I think what they've learned is let's just not talk about what we learn. (laughs) You know, it's like let's be careful with how we communicate that outside and just kind of incorporate some of these learnings uh, on the back end uh, instead of, you know, bringing it up on a national podcast. Uh, Well, uh, it'll be interesting to see uh, how Pepsi – you know, they're having a rough run of it, although their Super Bowl ad was pretty good that they had for Doritos and Mountain Dew. So, you know, maybe it's a wash so far. In you're right. You're right. The one I mentioned was the one for Pepsi itself. Yeah. Um, yeah. All right. Well, let's talk about Tesla. So Tesla, of course, the plug-in electric uh, car company. Most people have a hard time even uh, getting on the waiting list to get one. Uh, but one is now flying into space as the first car in space. The, uh, you know, I guess some people have said, well, the lunar buggy was a car. Uh, no, come on. This is like a legit consumer car. What's fascinating to me about this is that Tesla paid essentially no money whatsoever to have their car go into space. Uh, there's been a lot of debate about this because the headline on, on my article about this was uh, with a $0 ad budget, Tesla you know, pulls off one of the greatest marketing stunts of all time. 
A lot of people took issue with that. Like, well, it's zero dollars, but ninety million dollars to build a rocket. Well, Tesla didn't build the rocket. You know, uh, SpaceX built the rocket. SpaceX has spent probably five hundred million dollars uh, building their program so far. Ninety million on the Falcon Heavy, which uh, successfully test flew the other day. Uh, and, uh, you know, eventually this thing's going to be carrying satellites, but I don't think they wanted to put an expensive satellite uh, for a legit client on board in the test flight when they thought it might not actually work. So they put Elon Musk's personal uh, Tesla Roadster on there. It's cherry red. They put a little dummy wearing a SpaceX spacesuit in it. They called him Starman. They played some David Bowie. Uh, but best of all, they had these live feed cameras showing different angles so that as the car circled the Earth after its successful launch and deployment, uh, you could just see I mean, it's an amazing image, right, of, of just this car floating. I mean, Tim, I feel like that is going to become one of the most iconic like marketing images of all time. Yeah, it was a pretty cool visual. And there was a you know live stream of it um, for many hours, just had that same view. Lots of people looked at it. And you're right. I mean, $0 ad budget. I mean, Tesla has never really advertised itself at all. You know, they're it relies on word of mouth almost exclusively. It feels like it doesn't need to advertise. You know, it's got such a high coolness factor, that brand, that like any advertising it did make, I think maybe that it, w- it wouldn't match up to to the status of the brand in a way. So, yeah, I mean, this was a pretty cool uh, and very easy, you know, something that wasn't surprising to me at all that, that Musk did this. Obviously, he's central to SpaceX. He's central to Tesla. Uh, combining them was kind of a no-brainer. Um, but, yeah, getting, you know, this this monumental achievement in space and just throwing the, the Tesla car in there was, was pretty smart and shows that, he you know, he does have a marketing mind, obviously, uh, even if he doesn't choose to do paid advertising i mean why would he why would he need to lauren i'm curious to get your take on this trend because i do feel like we're seeing more of these billionaire you know multi-millionaires who own multiple companies and they're starting to kind of uh you know leverage those to help one you know for the other i think the one that comes to mind for me is jeff bezos uh, of course owning amazon but also owning the washington post and so you get the washington post on your kindle uh you know once that deal went through uh you know are you starting to see more of those those popping up I think so. I think you're seeing um, what's really interesting is like how the two kind of go together. So like in the Bezos example, there's um, some tangible, real things that you can see he's put into place uh, at the Washington Post, not only from a tech side, but also just kind of his involvement in the newsroom, I think, is a ever ever ending story that people are fascinated by. Uh, so I think you're seeing a lot of a lot of folks kind of co-brand both of their their investments and their companies in a similar way to what Elon Musk is doing. Yeah, and I, I think in some cases there will be pros and cons. I mean, I think the, the, the pros certainly for the Washington Post are going to be that, you know, every cool tech thing, whether it's voice activation or whatever that Amazon does, like they'll probably be first to market because Jeff's going to make sure that they are. Um, but, you know, at the same time, it, you know, when you have a parent company or when you have a shared owner, uh, sometimes they may put put you in agreements that you don't necessarily love. But for now, I feel like Tesla, if you're on the board of directors for Tesla and it's not your personal money going into SpaceX, you're probably pretty happy <laughs> you know, that your car, your car is literally going to Mars or at least to the asteroid belt uh, on this like live stream. And it's part of this famous thing. Um, Tim, I'm curious too. How do you feel this stacks up to uh, Red Bull Stratos, which of course has been one of considered one of those, you know, iconic marketing coup moments from another kind of weird media averse in their own way brand? Uh, how do you think they compare? 
Well, obviously they're related uh, with the space theme. I think Stratos was, uh, you know, much more impactful. I, I really think that um, while the while the Tesla thing is cool, it's it's really just kind of a static, almost like a static billboard kind of rope, like flying around in space. I mean, I think the you know the 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 Red Bull thing. Um, first of all, I think it got at least as much attention as this, if not more. And I think it. Uh, you know, it really was a Red Bull production. This was not a Tesla production. And so I feel like people are aware that, you know, that Tesla's just literally along for the ride on this one. Uh, but the Stratus thing, I think, was pretty groundbreaking at the time. And I think it tied right into the, you know, the, the Red Bull uh, brand super well. And so, you know, I prefer I prefer Stratus. That's not to say that the, the Tesla idea wasn't wasn't cool, but I do think it was kind of an add on. All right. Well, it is time to move on to my favorite part of the show each week, our ads worth watching. All right. This is the part of the show where Tim tells us about ads we should actually go out of our way to watch instead of getting rid of as fast as we physically can. Uh, Tim, what have you got for us this week? So this week, I wanted to talk a little bit about the current Old Spice campaign from Widening Kennedy, uh, which is a spoof of fragrance commercials. So they're promoting something that's new called the Old Spice Red Collection, uh, which is a collection that I guess um, I guess it includes everything from like deodorants and body washes to hair products. And they all have uh, what Old Spice is calling premium scents. So I guess they worked with um, like fragrance people to develop these scents and they're supposedly like more elevated or fancy than their usual scents. Uh, not totally sure on the background of, of that product decision, but that's the way they're going. And so the gag here is that they're pitching them um, with parodies of fragrance ads. So like, you know, super fancy ads, but it's all a big joke, of course, which is, you know, um, Old Spice's stock and trade. Uh, the tagline is, we make sense for men. Uh, S-C-E-N-T-S. And, you know, normally when you have parodies of fragrance ads, they're they're pretty generic. Like, they're just, you know, over the top and pretentious and silly. Um, these Old Spice ads are quite a bit more imaginative than that. Uh, and it started a couple of weeks ago on the Grammys when they aired uh, this whole 60-second spot called Red Sweater that was completely in French. So, you know, for those who don't speak French, watching it on the Grammys, it was really uh, kind of a baffling moment. Didn't, didn't really make a whole lot of sense. Uh, the ad showed this woman just running around this picturesque French town, um, totally in a panic, just yelling Old Spice. And her, and her friends start doing the same thing. And it sort of re- resolves itself, but you're not totally sure why, because she ends up running into this, this guy who has the red sweater from the ad's title, and she kind of says something to him in French, and then the ad's kind of over. Well, let's, <laughs> so, uh, let, let's listen to some of that just to recreate the magic of having no idea if you were watching the Grammys, unless you spoke fluent French, uh, what was actually happening in the ad. So let, let's listen to a little bit of it. So that was a pretty wild idea. So you're on, you know, you're on a major award show, uh, 97 or eight or 9% of your audience doesn't speak French and therefore doesn't understand what the hell is going on in this commercial. Um, you know, right after it aired on the Grammys, they did 
post the spot on YouTube with subtitles. And so um, we were able to figure out what was going on. Turns out the woman has a dog named Old Spice and she's lost the dog. And so she's running around town looking for the dog, which was not clear at all if you uh, were lucky enough to watch the bizarre original unsubtitled version uh, on the Grammys. So that was pretty bizarre. Um, The subtitle version actually eventually ran on TV, by the way, during Super Bowl pregame show, which was interesting. And then uh, this weekend, uh, there were two more spots broken this campaign, one called Marco Lovo and another one called Mask. Um, So let's listen to a little bit of Marco Lovo. Um, The gag will become pretty clear with this one, too. Spice. Old. Spice. Old. Spice. Old? Spice! Old. Spice! Oh. Today. Tomorrow. Forever. Spice. Spice. So, yeah, you've got the woman calling out uh, old and the guy yelling spice as they're, as they're trying to find each other in this mansion. Um, so, I don't know, this whole campaign kind of feels pretty fresh to me. You know, um, Wyden and Old Spice have been doing, like, weird advertising for a long time. You know, it's been more than 10 years since the Bruce Campbell piano spots. Uh, it's been eight years since the first Isaiah Mustafa ad. And I think, you know, in the years since then, I think the brand did start getting a, a bit of weirdness fatigue. You know, that was kind of getting hard to one up stuff that was already so kind of big and over the top. Um, but I feel like the new ads are pretty different and they, they play around with, with media in a pretty fun way with like the Grammys thing. Um, and, and the other thing I love about these ads is like, you know, they've got a very weird exterior, but they've got this very traditional core to them. It's literally people just saying the product name over and over. <laughs> uh, that's a pretty hilarious thing for like weird ads to be doing. And they're also part of this um, larger surge in creativity at PNG. Obviously, the Tide stuff from Saatchi on the Super Bowl was a big hit. Um, a clever idea that was also pretty media centric. And uh, Old Spice got a shout out in those ads too. So I, I think it's a little bit of a different direction for Old Spice. I think that they retain the wackiness that's kind of core to the brand, but they're they're moving away from this endless focus on masculinity and like deconstructing masculinity. Um, but I'm curious to hear what you guys thought about, particularly the, the red sweater ad, like airing an ad on the Grammys, buying 60 seconds of expensive airtime on the Grammys to air a, a spot totally in French. That's pretty crazy. I think it's crazy, but um, it probably made people curious and uh, they wanted to learn more. So I think it probably worked. I mean, it's such a good payoff that 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 Old Spice is the name of the dog. Like, you know, because you could literally watch yeah. that ad 50 times <laughs> if you didn't speak French and never have any idea that, that <laughs> that's what they're doing. I mean, it's such mm-hmm. and when you watch that's yeah. what's sad about watching it with <laughs> subtitles is you, is you you get it from from the word go like it's. It, you know, one thing that struck me about uh, Red Sweater, about uh, Marco Lovo, um, there's another that I don't, I don't think we've really talked about yet called uh, Mask. And remind me what happens in Mask. I, I watched it, but I'm blanking on it. I think they're uh, um, a woman. They're, they're like at a masquerade party, and a woman comes up to a man and takes, starts taking off his mask, and there's another mask under it, and another mask under it. That's right. Like his eyes are are like. It like got cucumbers on his eyes, and she takes them off, and he's got googly eyes. <laughs> like, it's, it's, it's a right. pretty, it's a pretty good gag. Um, but yeah, they did not keep the French theme going. But I think with with all of these, it reminds me of the Isaiah Mustafa ad. Uh, going back to that, you know, Old Spice, like a lot of these kinds of brands, uh, like Axe before them, used to think, oh, okay, we want dudes to use this stuff, so we need to advertise to dudes. And the Isaiah Mustafa ad, the, you know, hello, ladies, like that came about from this mar- this research that found that, 
you know, that women were making the decisions about the men's products. And so, you know, that's a very dry kind of P&G style insight. Um, but the creative team at Wyden took that in this really amazing direction where, uh, okay, instead of a guy being like Terry Crews, you know, being like, hey, bros, use this bro product. And instead it's like this handsome, good-looking dude uh, talking, you know, do- literally talking to women um, and saying, you know, this is what your man could smell like. And at the same time, guys loved it too. You know, guys couldn't get enough of that campaign. And so it took this insight from research, going back to the Doritos example, like it used it in a way that's, you know, I guess if you strip it out and just say it flat, like women buy the products in the house, like it sounds offensive. Uh, but at the same time, I'm sure their research, you know, showed that that was the case. And in these, I feel like these are ads that, you know, they are like guys hopefully will enjoy them. But I think a lot of women could watch these and be like, yeah, that that's a pretty great ad, even if it is for men's deodorant. Uh, uh, Lauren, what's your take on this campaign? I think it feels like there's a lot of uh, creative rabbit holes that you could still go down uh, with it. And it, it could be blown up into a, a larger kind of ongoing thing to me, kind of starting with this whole idea of, yeah, a 60 second ad that you air in the U.S. and French, and it's confusing, and then you kind of learn the meaning behind it. It just seems there's a lot of there's a lot to do from a creative standpoint that you could really do to blow this out. I'm curious. I think I think we should probably go back to Old Spice in, in another week or two and just see how how these ads have done. You know, like I was watching during the Grammys because we had a we had a heads up on this spot that it was going to air and. The reaction to it was complete bafflement, and it was like, "Stop it, Old Spice! Stop doing this! What are you doing?" You know, it wasn't like, like positive by any means. You know, there there were a few, there were some tweets that were like, "That was awesome," but there was ten times as many tweets that were like, "I don't understand." You know, and I'm just curious, like that that is a risk, right? To 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 do something where people are going to be like, "I don't under, I don't know what you're doing," and I'm a little bit uncomfortable uh, as a result. <laughs> So I'm wondering, you know, and and if you look at the like, I know this isn't like the be all end all metric, but the the YouTube view count on that on the red sweater is is not very big, and I'm just wondering, you know, how they obviously they want to shake the, this campaign up a bit, um, and, and I do like the creative approach. I think it's really interesting. I just wonder how how it's really going over, and if it's a little too odd for people. Hmm. Yeah, they 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 probably did go a little far afield on this one, and and I think it's also you know we joke a lot in this industry about advertising for people who work in advertising, you know, which is rarely said as a compliment. Uh, it, it's like a very backhanded compliment. <laughs> and, well, and it's funny the tide. You're right, and the tide stuff has gotten that criticism too. I, I saw a tweet that that was well liked on Twitter this week that said uh, it's a tide ad is dilly dilly for marketing people, and I thought that was. <laughs> I thought that was really interesting. You know, something that ad people would love and, and and maybe the consumer doesn't love it quite as much. Yeah. Yeah, I mean it's 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 kind of gets into a debate we have at Can every year where a lot of the stuff that wins at Can Lions are ads that ad people love, but sometimes the thing that wins the Grand Prix has like the fewest views of any of the finalists, like any of the gold winners, and it's like they're almost intentionally picking one that's like it's so weird, it's so it's so yeah. off kilter. And I know Tim is tired of me bringing this up, uh, probably, but what I love about this ad is that it's very clearly uh, referencing one of my favorite ads, like one of the ads I remember most from childhood, uh, and the, and they're mocking it in a few different ways, uh, maybe a little referentially or reverentially. I don't. Uh, but uh, it's Egoist, the uh, perfume from the 80s. Uh, there was this famous ad of women uh, yelling the name of the product over and over, just yelling Egoist. 
Egoist, and they're more and more yelling, and it keeps getting like turns into this wall of noise of like a hundred women throwing open doors in this French, you know, building and yelling Egoist over and over, and they're all speaking French, and you can't understand anything. Uh, so, again. I'm a big ad nerd, <laughs> and so I don't know if that's their target demo of like people who are going to catch egoist people references. That, yeah. <laughs> no, you're right though, and it's it is a good reference. Um, trying to get a hold of the guy that directed those old egoist spots. Maybe we'll have. Uh, we're going back and forth on whether we can do an interview with this guy, but uh, could be it could be a fun way to to revisit that original campaign too. All right. Well, thank you as always, Tim. Be sure to check out adweek.com. Click on the creativity section. You can see all the fun stuff that Tim's covering, and you can definitely catch up on all those old Spice ads. Uh, But it's time to get on to our big discussion of the week. All right, this week we are talking about ad hacks, and uh, I don't quite know the best order uh, to discuss this in because the one that inspired us was Geico. Uh, Geico's been playing with the unsk- with the skip skip ad uh, format, uh, the skippable ads they've come up with for the last three years have really been uh, finding some interesting ways to play with this. I guess I can kind of jump to the present just to give the news hook uh, here is that they've they've got a new campaign uh, with pre-roll. And Tim, you can probably uh, correct me if I'm wrong here, but I think the gag this time around is that they start showing you a Geico ad, then the Geico ad gets interrupted by another Geico ad, (laughs) basically like someone literally crashing into the scene, and it's like we interrupt this ad to bring you a different Geico ad. Yeah, so I think it was 2015 was Unskippable, where they they front-loaded the marketing message in the first five seconds so that you couldn't skip it, Uh, and then they ran the ads for another minute where they were like frozen, and it was awkwardly frozen. So that was the original one, won tons of awards, obviously, everyone knows about it. Uh, The second installment was Fast Forward, where they they showed you the beginning of an ad, and then they fast-forwarded to the end of the ad, and it it made no sense until you, you could actually go back and try to watch the whole thing. Uh, last year they did crushed where they literally crushed the set of a commercial down to nothing, uh, as a metaphor for, for, um, condensing the amount of time you had to watch it. And then, yeah, this, this year is called, uh, interrupt to Palooza where they, they run, uh, it's a little different than the other three where the other three were all about somehow saving you time. Uh, this one is more about like acknowledging, okay, um, YouTube pre-rolls are an interruptive experience. Like we're, we're interrupting you. And so we're just going to try to have a little more fun with this idea of interruption. So they interrupt their own ads with other ads, with other ads. We could probably play a clip here um, to explain briefly how it works. Gotta love those Geico savings. Got that right, little buddy. We interrupt this message to bring you another Geico message. Geico can help you with homeowners insurance, too. I call that a hole in one. We interrupt this message to bring you our logo. So, yeah, it's a little different, but, uh, again, um, uh, an advertiser that's done a ton of, of hacking of pre-roll, this is their, you know, their new way of doing that. Lindsay, you covered the agency beat. I'm curious if you've seen, uh, you know, Martin Agency obviously created all these ads. They've really dominated with this. But are you seeing other ad, uh, other agencies trying to kind of step up their creativity on this front? Um, yeah, you know, and I'm seeing it on the media side, too, on how they're engaging with consumers. Um, I, think, I think it's just an interesting, um, I guess, thing to watch play out because everyone knows ads are are annoying um and there's there's just so many ways to avoid ads and block them out now that every ad has to be so creative um yeah i i don't know i guess it's just uh interesting to see how everyone is kind of 
going around ad blocking and just trying to be not even creative because I think the Geico ad was just acknowledging that they're annoying. Um, And that's good because I feel like a lot of people are just pissed off when they feel invaded. Um, And also as people start getting into the like gamer world, which is something that's emerging, this is kind of the ads that they should keep in mind because gamers are so easy to piss off and they don't like feeling invaded. Lauren, I'm curious, what gets you to not skip? Uh, a pre-roll ad. Very little. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, sure, it's a skill. I, yeah, uh, I, yeah, it, I will skip pretty much everything. I feel like that's the human instinct: is when you're on YouTube and you see a clip, and the clip that you're expecting to watch doesn't come up immediately. Your instinct is just to move the cursor straight down to the lower uh, right-hand corner and, and wait to, to skip an ad. Um, I think, I think you know all of these examples are interesting ways that not only the brands are trying to advertise, but also I think some of these hacks. Um, I remember when YouTube started or started rolling out these six-second bumper ads that have since kind of taken off and actually even made their way onto TV with with the six-second ad. But this is the kind of creative work that YouTube started seeing people doing on the platform, which then led to a new ad unit that has kind of uh, taken over a lot of digital and TV ads. So it's kind of interesting to see that creative impact the actual ad format. Now, now remind me again, I should know this off the top of my head, but do you get, do you get, does YouTube get paid for ads that people skip? Like if you watch any of the six seconds, they don't make any money unless you watch a substantial amount or a certain amount of it? Uh, with TrueView, that's the case. The TrueView is, TrueView is the skippable ones. So if you... Yeah, if you choose to skip it, then YouTube does not make any money off of it. Okay. Um, so we've talked about pre-roll, and uh, we've got a few other examples here. Uh, one that's kind of close to my heart because it got really overlooked at the time. I think it was kind of drowned out by Geico uh, rolling out their unskippable campaign. Uh, but it was a campaign for Vimeo, which, of course, is a YouTube competitor. Uh, and Vimeo was basically running, an ad, running ads on YouTube uh, about the uh about about kind of the problems with youtube and about why vimeo was a better platform which of course is somewhat meta even in and of itself uh let's listen to just the setup here because then i'll kind of have to explain what happens from the first moment i saw you i told myself i would give up anything to be with this girl and i did i sold my neighbor my sega genesis i sold my car to richard and i even sold my la gears all so i could buy his tickets to miami this weekend you see I love you. Wait, wait, I'm sorry, babe, could you say that again? Something popped up and, and could you try it again, but at the top of the screen? So, you know, we've obviously, we've got this guy uh, who's, you know, raced to confront, you know, confront her to, to talk to his lover and exp- and tell her all this stuff. And it turns out she is, is deaf. And so she has to respond to him with sign language. But then when she starts signing, there are, uh, so there are captions underneath. And every, every time she tries responding to him, an ad pops up covering the, uh, covering what she's saying. And so he's like, I, I can't, I can't hear what you're saying. There's something covering it up. And so it's very meta, very weird, uh, beautifully shot. Uh, 
uh, and basically just makes this point that ads are really annoying. But what's funny is that they've packaged this this kind of strange, you know, rip on the, the little banner ads that pop up at the bottom of videos. Uh, they've packaged it in a pre-roll ad that literally starts with, you know, I only have a second before this pre-roll ad is over. <laughs> so the whole thing is just caught up in this like snake eating its own tail of, of meta uh, ad reference. Uh, Tim, Martin Agency also outside of Geico did a pretty fun one. Tell, tell us about that. Uh, yeah, they made a... Um a Rube Goldberg device uh, for Barclays. I believe this was Martin Agency London. Uh, did a pretty cool ad for Barclays. Uh, again, like focused on very self-aware about how ads are annoying and, and everybody skips them. And so the gag here was that this ad um, will skip itself. And so the it, it kind of pulls you in. It's a, it's a, a big elaborate um, Rube Goldberg device that eventually bunch of moving parts uh, end up kind of either kicking or blowing up the skip button which is a physical skip button on the ad um and so yeah i mean it was pretty clever i think martin agency is pretty in tune with this kind of stuff um was it into it that had uh, an interesting um not very good but but <laughs> might have been good uh super bowl ad about about a skipping ad button yeah i was gonna say when you said that had an interesting ad i was like it's not the one i'm thinking of then yeah they they <laughs> they, they basically had a big um which is funny because TurboTax ads which are owned by Intuit, were, were quite good i actually really liked their super bowl ads this year it was the one with the ghost and the monster under the bed but Mm -hmm. their parent company into it did this ad that's like a giant skippable pre-roll ad and then the ad i think gets skipped i mean it's on tv so it's not real and didn't make a lot of sense like a giant robot appears and hits the skip button and they're saving you like 15 seconds or supposedly i'm like well you're not really it's not like you bought 30 seconds and then gave us 15 of it back (laughs) or whatever (laughs) that would have been great though like give give a 15 seconds of something else afterwards just like red pandas playing in a pile of on top of each other it's just like there you (laughs) go gave you something different yeah. Um, one I wanted to talk about uh, uh, that, again, doesn't maybe get enough attention, probably because their media buy isn't quite as big as some of these other ones, but Hotel.com, their Captain Obvious campaign from Chrisman Porter Bogusky, uh, they've they've done this in a uh, lot in America. They've done some really fun ones. And my favorite execution was actually in the U.K. Uh, so when Hotels.com, I think it was their first campaign that they ever ran in the U.K., uh, so it was Chrisman Porter London uh, did this one. They uh, they had an ad that you could skip. Uh, it said, like, skip ad. But this is Captain Obvious, and the gag here is that, you know, uh, he does everything very literally. And so you could watch the ad, and it was just him speaking in different languages to people. But when you clicked skip ad, the ad kept going, except everyone is skipping rope. <laughs> like, all the, all the characters. <laughs> it's literally just all the same characters doing all the same lines, except they are skipping rope the whole time while they're talking. And so they recorded, obviously, two completely different versions of him talking to all these different people, one where he's skipping. And so it was, uh, to me, that was just, I was like, okay, I, I I will give it to you. You did not allow me to actually skip this ad, but I will allow it. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Captain Obvious has been, uh, you know, when he came out, I think a lot of people, or at least Adweek, was really skeptical of whether this uh, you know, mascot, this campaign had the legs to keep going. Uh, to CPB's credit, I think they have really gotten a lot out of it. Uh, in 2015, they did a silent autoplay uh, kind of joke. So this is another thing that people see generally as a limitation, right? Like there's no <clears throat> there's no audio uh, on a video that plays in social. It starts out quiet. 
as users, we don't we, we love that, but advertisers, of course, want to yell at you and tell you about products. So they had some great uh, Captain Obvious ads where he is like playing piano and the camera is swirling around him in this luxury hotel lobby. And it basically the subtitles say, you know, uh, there's no there's no audio on these these ads. And you should be glad because I have no idea how to play piano. And then like if you click to the ads, he's just making noise. He's just like hitting keys. And so it's like one of those words like it pressing the audio makes it worse. <laughs> it's like a more annoying. Ad. Yeah. You know, I think what what unites a lot of these ad hacks uh, is that they're just more self-aware, you know, and they acknowledge the elephant in the corner that they draw attention to the format. Uh, you know, in the case of pre-roll, you know, it's it's yes, your experience as a user sucks with pre-roll. So we're going to we're going to acknowledge that up front and we're going to try to give you something a little bit more entertaining, you know, even if that entertainment is is really just being honest about the shittiness of your experience. Uh, you know, hopefully there's a clever idea at the core, which I think the, the, the Captain Obvious stuff you're mentioning um, is a fun way to draw attention to the format while also, you know, having it be kind of fun. Uh, and, and in the end, I think the goal uh, is to kind of be disarming and kind of make up for the discomfort of, of the interruptive experience. You know, like an agency like Barton F. Graft does this a lot. I think certain agencies go into it like, let's subvert the format as step one and see where we get. You know, like uh, even stuff like uh, Yes Good, like the Emerald Nuts stuff, that's that's like, let's go in and try to come up with a tagline that's completely unlike what you would normally do for a tagline. I think these ad hacks are, are a media version of that. You know, it's like, here's the medium, here's how people use it. Let's try to use it in ways that no one uses it. And, and, and that's step one there is you get attention just by doing that. Lindsay, I, I'm curious too, because uh, to get your perspective on this, what I feel is the bigger message of all this is not like, hey, we got to live with pre-roll, so you might as well do something interesting with pre-roll. It feels like agencies need to take a bigger lesson from this, which is like, you know, just limitations can be opportunities that I, I, you know, as someone who worked in an agency for a while, and you hear a lot of people bitching about like, oh, you can only do this, you can't do this. And, they, and so they'll always say like, we can't do that, or we're stopped from doing this. Obviously, these examples that we've been giving are ones where people start with those limitations and say, okay, how do we like build an entire idea off of that? Uh, you know, what do you, would you say are the lessons here from these examples that agencies should take away? Um, totally. Definitely use, um, I guess, setbacks as opportunity. Um, you know, you saw it with Geico, the crushed ad. You only have three seconds before you can um, skip it, so get it out fast. Um, definitely, I think you should be careful, though, because, like, with the Dove ad, um, that was – that. The one where the woman sheds her her skin and it was, you know, it was kind of whitewashing, um, all that. So I, I think that was the problem with um, cutting down the ads too much. So I think just agencies have to be careful when they're going about these things um, to think everything out really carefully and think about how their three-second ad is going to look. Um, but definitely, definitely take it as, as an opportunity. Now, just be careful. Lauren, we, we've talked a, a bit about mobile um, and just, well, well, I mean, it's kind of come up in passing, but I wanted to get your thoughts on it because mobile feels like a great area where there's still a lot of room for disruption in this in this regard because mobile ads are just awful. Uh, and I feel like we've seen a few examples, like one of my favorites is when Ikea ran a campaign where they assume that you clicked on their mobile ad on accident. <laughs> 
because the mobile ads are so so awful and easy to click on. And the message was just like, wait, did you re- did you really want to see this ad, or were you just like trying to do something else? Uh, and that kind of fit with IKEA's humility and their brand. But uh, you know, it feels like both mobile and social, you know, with Snapchat and all the different limitations and Instagram stories, you know, that there's a lot of room there for brands to own in the way that uh, Geico and some of these have owned on pre-roll and display ads, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think within the within social platforms themselves, you see a lot of um, this going on. And like, I, I want to say Instagram stories actually now has a feature where it's not just even just 10 seconds. Like, you can kind of expand it. That's And Snapchat, you can do that too. You can take a 30-second video that, that that's then caught up into uh, like three 10-second snippets, which is interesting from a brand perspective. You're thinking of ways to, you know, you still have that 30-second ad. How do you get that formatted uh, on social platforms so that you don't end up in the situation that Dove is in where you're cutting, uh, cutting things unnecessarily and then ending up with more of a problem? Um, so I think you're seeing a lot of that going on in the on social platforms. The one that uh, just to kind of show some examples of how display ads and different ad formats, you know, that this creativity is certainly not limited to pre-roll or to, you know, some of this more interactive video stuff. Uh, one of my favorites was actually in 2009. Uh, and it, uh, it's one that I don't think a lot of Americans probably saw. It was for Axian Bank in Belgium. Uh, but what they did is they physically built these tiny rooms. So if you think about banner ads on a website, right, you've got that long horizontal one at the top. It's usually like overstock.com or whatever, right? And then you've got the tall one down the side. I think they call the skyscraper. And then you've got those like square ones or rectangle, that smaller ones that sit off to the side. And those are your standard digital ad units. They built rooms uh, that were sized in proportion to those ad units and they were tiny they were <laughs> very it was a squeeze to get in there and they had bands uh, climb into those spaces and perform songs and this was something where the bank was trying to reach young consumers and they were trying to come up with cool ways to do it 2009 uh, was quite a while ago it's like nine years ago and so they were coming up with ways, you, you know, to, to play around with this. And it's just such a fun thing. You're like watching these bands perform in this tiny space uh, while they're in your ad unit. Uh, and, and we've seen others do this too. Uh, Tim, maybe you can remember, there was one that replaced banner ads with uh, pieces of art, uh, mm-hmm. if I'm remembering right. What, do you remember that one? I, I vaguely remember that one, yeah. Uh, this Axion one I, I totally forgot about. Um, one other one I remember from also from 2009, do you remember that Pringles banner ad, um, where it, it, it dared you to click it. Um, and, and the more you clicked it, there was the more this little story unfolded inside the ad. Do you remember that one? Yeah, vaguely. But, um, what was the payoff there? Was it just to see like basically just reward you for clicking as many times as you can. Yeah, I mean, I think the I think the the uh, the original banner said like don't click this or something, you know. So it's already hacking, uh, you know, by inverting the expectation. And I think there were there were ninety seven different frames of the banner, and so the banner basically would talk to you, and, and it was had this weird photo of a woman that had a Pringles can like stuck on her hand, and then there was a guy proposing to her with a ring he's like kneeling he's like kneeling down so the visual was totally bizarre and i think the i think the first frame said like you you wouldn't understand what's going on here or something and it it, it provoked a lot of clicks to begin with but but it didn't go anywhere so it didn't take you off site it just loaded a new frame 
And the case study was pretty remarkable. I think, you know, uh, like 20% of people who visited, you know, the pages, like clicked through all 97 frames of this thing or whatever. Jeez. Wow. Um, but I don't think, I mean, it was just, I think the message was just within the frame. There was like the Pringles logo and it mentioned Pringles on a few of the frames, but it was sort of ancillary to the, the creative idea. Um, but pretty clever. I've got, I've got to say before we run out of time that another one that I, I had, uh, I had not seen until we were prepping this, but that we had covered was uh, from Snickers and Impact BBDO in Dubai uh, that they had turned a pre-roll ad into a playable game. Uh, and I was like, when I saw that, I was just like, I, I can't picture that. I can't picture what that is. But basically, it's a bus driver who looks like a, a, a wrestler, I guess I would say, like an 80s wrestler. And he's just screaming about how, you know, about, I don't know, like angrily screaming. And you and a, a Snickers bar is flying by the screen. And if you pause at the right moment that the Snicker bar is in front of his hand and you pause, he he then you pause on an image of him holding the Snicker bar and he turns back into a bus driver and everything's fine. And you get a little message saying congratulations. <laughs> and I was just like and I'm sitting there repeatedly pausing and playing a pre-roll app. <laughs> just like, what have they done? <laughs> I couldn't get it to work. I didn't. I maybe was trying just, to get it the snicker bar to land yeah, in the guy's hand. Man, well, it you guys just, maybe you just don't have the skill. Because I mean, not to brag, pretty good, <laughs> pretty skilled. All right. Well, we are out of time, but uh, man, I you know it's funny when we talked about doing this section. I was like, I don't know if we're gonna have enough little examples to talk about, dude. We have like seven examples that I I didn't even like shove into this thing. So this is one of our favorite things to cover on Ad Week, definitely on our Ad Freak uh, section of the Creativity site. Uh, so keep an eye out on that. Make sure you're following Ad Freak on your social, on Twitter and Facebook, because uh, we love we love covering these things. Uh, Lauren and Lindsay, thank you so much for coming out. I had a lot of fun roping you in to this conversation. And uh, we'll definitely have you guys back soon. Uh, our theme music is by Home. Uh, this week's episode was produced by Christina Monlos and Anya Fernando. Please take a moment to leave a review on Apple Podcasts, Google, Google Play, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, those reviews mean a lot to us. And they also help new listeners discover the show. So thanks so much for giving us a little rating and leaving a review on there. Thanks a lot. I'm David Greiner with Adweek, and we will be back next week. This episode was brought to you by Accenture Interactive. Accenture Interactive is hyper-focused on offering new, connected experiences that flex to accommodate individual needs. See how we're creating greater experiences now at AccentureInteractive.com.